We need 
Now, as we said last week, we kind of focused on God and country, patriotic service. Brother Jeff Rector, um, he did a great job, two wonderful messages. And I didn't feel led to bring a memorial message. I'm bringing a message of salvation, uh, freedom in Christ today in Luke chapter 7. Now, back in January, I visited this text earlier, and there were some things I never got to accomplish that I wanted to come back to. And that's where the Lord's led me to be today. So in Luke chapter 7, we'll begin reading in verse 36. Verse 36. Not long ago, it had a little flag on here. And uh, Lighthouse, I appreciate that. And I got to thinking about uh, all the things that God's people give me over time. I, this suit, the church bought me and... Uh, the suit man I got it from gave me the shirt, and Jeremiah gave me these cool socks. And uh, they're pretty snazzy, aren't they? Um, I think. But, uh, you know, God's people are so good to me, and I, I appreciate it. And uh, if anybody else wants to give me a cool socks and a nice tie and a suit, help yourself. We'll be okay with that. But. God is good to me. I wanted to thank Brother Gene for this nice tie. I've got many compliments on it today, Brother Gene. Thank you. We're looking at Luke chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 36 through 39 today. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would, um, that, uh, he would eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in that city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus set meat uh, in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed her feet, kissed his feet, excuse me, and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees, which had bidden him, saw it, uh, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. Now, again, we were here in January. I looked at my notes and we discussed a few things uh, that um, I, at that time I felt like the Lord wanted me to say. We did a series on the conversations of Christ on Wednesday night. And we came right out with this first message of uh, the discourtesy of Simon here, how unkind he was. He, 
He didn't care for her. He was uncaring, no compassion. The decision of the sinner, however, was to come to Christ in spite of that. We saw the homage of the woman, how she came to worship the Lord. And then lastly, we saw the forgiveness of the Lord and uh, how the Lord took her sins away um, by his statement, thy sins be forgiven thee. And that was wonderful. But I, you know, I've been looking at this again. Uh, I was at that time, wrote some notes down. That, and I wanted to look at it again. And I thought, what a wonderful salvation message. And I prayed that if there be anyone here today that know not Christ, that they would see their need for personal salvation. And then, of course, it would encourage us that are saved to never forget that there are people all around us all the time that need salvation. And I want to say, starting out, I want to say this this morning and we'll pray. Do you know that God loves you? Do you really know that? Sometimes we just, we assume that. Uh, we know it as far as what we've been taught, but do you personally understand and know that God loves you? He desperately loves you today, no matter what you've done. This woman is a great example of someone that other people thought did not deserve the grace of God. But listen, everybody needs to know that Jesus loves them. Let's pray, if we would. Every head bowed as we pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name today, and we pray that you'd help us as we preach the gospel. Lord, I know not who knows Christ as Savior. I, I know my people. But I don't know if there's a teen or a, a youngster or a visitor or... Uh, uh, an adult here today that has not been forgiven of their sins. And I pray, Lord, that this gospel message will speak to hearts. Lord, speak to ours that know you and know you for a long time. I pray, God, that we'd not lose our burden. Help us, Lord, to reach out, touch sinners, Lord, with the love of Christ through giving them the gospel, praying for them and befriending them. And Lord, just speak to us today through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you today for a little bit about a known person that was called a sinner. You see, her testimony was well known in her community. Everybody knew who she was. They all knew the ill report of her and uh, her family and her background. And I'll tell you what. I've been saved now for about 45 years, and I know a lot of people have known me in my saved life, but there's still a bunch of people around that knew me in my lost life. And uh, I'm glad that there came a place in my life, in my, in my, in my uh, lifetime, where I realized my need uh, as a sinner to come to Jesus Christ. And uh, I'll tell you what, he changed my life, and I hope you've had that change in your life. Now, the scripture tells us that this woman is somebody that we need to pay attention to, for Jesus says it this way, Luke 7, 37, and behold, a woman in the city. This word behold is an interesting word in our Bible. It means get this, don't miss this. It literally means to take somebody and show them, look at this. And that's what the Lord is saying. Behold, a, a woman in the city which was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. The Lord wants us to know about this woman. He wants us to know about the individual people that live next door to us and down the street from us and where we work. He wants us to get to know them so we might introduce them to Jesus Christ. And they can get to know Jesus Christ. What a great example that they have a neighbor here today by, by the invite. 
of a Christian. Although she was indeed a sinner, she was still cared about and loved by God. Many people that day did not think she was worthy of the salvation that Jesus gave her because she was a woman we would call of ill repute. But the Lord wants us to gain something today and glean from her story, if you would. He wants us to get the love of Christ back in our heart for other people that need the Lord. Let's have a refreshment today of those that live next door to us and down the block from us and in our sphere of influence. Uh, Do you have a neighbor that needs the Lord? Do you have a loved one that still has not come to Christ? Do you work side-by-side people at your office or your place of your employment that uh, you've known them for many years, but do they know you know Christ? And have you shared the gospel with them? Have you at least invited them to one of the church's many services and special days and events that we put on here at the church? We need to try to love people to Jesus Christ. Now, the first thing I want to say today about our Lord's Day is I want us to consider the person described here as a sinner. The Bible says in Luke chapter 7 and verse 36, it says, And one of the Pharisees desired him, speaking of Christ, that he would eat with him. And he went unto the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. I read this text again, and it reminded me, of so many of our missionaries on the foreign field. And they go there, and they're strangers in an environment. They don't know the language. They don't know the culture. They don't know the people. But God planted them there for the purpose of those people to come and know Jesus Christ. We as a local church need to remember that that's our job too. We should be doing what our missionaries do. I know Dan and Dina have got to know a lot of people in Germany just by being a neighbor, just by being a friend, taking bread to homes of of need and and, and taking a little gift by for a baby that was just born into their family. We were over there one time, and Dan and Dina, I'll never forget this, we sat at the table with about five of their neighbors that they invited over for a game night. And they're all speaking German, and Pam and I, we we didn't know anything. We didn't understand anything. I'm glad they played Uno that night, because we all knew numbers. I was going to say Uno, Dos, Quates. That's my other son-in-law, missionary. Eins, five. I knew Eins, so I knew the game. But at that table was a lady with kids that Dina had got a relationship there was a man down the block. I was so glad that he was there, a professional baker. And boy, he, bought a, he brought a cake that was so wonderful. But what are, you, what are they doing? Building relationships so they could tell others of the love of Christ. I ask ourselves afresh this morning, what, who are we building relationships with? Who are we inviting over? You know, we, we like to invite friends over and family over. We have a barbecue. I imagine many of us get together tomorrow on Memorial Day and have a hamburger or a hot dog or I don't know, uh, chicken or whatever. But do we ever stop and think, let's invite the lady across the street. Let's invite the man two doors down and his wife. Let's get to know these people so we can introduce Jesus to them. Well, here in our text is a woman that nobody wanted to invite to dinner. It appears that nobody was really trying to get her to come so they could open up dialogue and, 
and share with her the things of God. Here's a Pharisee who was a very religious man, and he didn't invite her to this party, folks. She came because she desired to see Jesus. She came because she had a great need. I submit to you, this woman knew who and what she was. She was a sinner, but in need of a Savior. She had heard about Jesus, the great prophet, that he might possibly be the promised Messiah that they had heard about all their life, and that there was even a possibility that he might be her Savior. That was her hope. But she's described as a sinner, the Scripture tells us. She comes and is viewed as not just a sinner, but a notorious sinner, widely known. But she came because there was an opportunity for her to meet Jesus. She comes humbly. She comes sorrowful. The text tells us that she's standing behind him, not in front of him, not sitting down next to him, not barging into this get-together, this gathering. No, the Bible says she stands behind him, a posture of a servant or a slave or someone of no account. She's standing at his feet, again, a low position. In fact, this uninvited guest was a woman that was waiting and wanting some acknowledgement from this visiting holy man. That's all she knew. She knew she needed to get to Jesus. She comes, watch this, weeping, and she comes contrite. The word contrite in the Bible, in Psalm 51, verse 17, God does not despise a broken and a contrite spirit. The word contrite means crushed. It means pulverized. It means completely repentant. It means totally remorseful. That's how she came. She came weeping. I believe when she came in the room, she was weeping. And I believe while she was there, she was weeping. And while she, Christ talked to her, she was weeping. And we see evidence of this. This lady is remorseful. She is broken. Amen. You know, I haven't seen tears like that in a long time. I've said this to this church, I'll never forget. It's been a long time now, but I remember being in a youth service in, in, in Cahutta, Georgia, preaching. And while I was preaching back in my Bible college days, a young woman came to the, they, they didn't have an altar, they had what is called a mourner's bench. And it's like an altar, but it's in the middle of the, this area here, not at the end, but in the middle. And it would be almost like a set of seats, if you would, or like a bench at a Little League baseball game. They call it the mourner's bench. And this young girl came to that mourner's bench, and she was weeping. I mean, this girl was weeping while I was preaching. And I, I preached maybe another 10, 15 minutes, and she was weeping. And when she got up, I'll never forget this, never have seen it to this day, a puddle, a puddle of tears dripping down from that mourner's bench. She, you know what she was weeping over? Her mother and father. She had gotten saved and become a Christian, and she wanted her mother and her father to come to Christ. And she wept so much that there was a literal puddle on that wood bench and dripping down so much. Here's a woman that's contrite. She's broken. She's weeping, and she begins to minister to the Lord with those tears. You know how much somebody's got to shed tears to be able to use that, that 
those tears to wash his feet? This woman is totally remorseful of her sin. Yes, she was a notable sinner. But she had heard about a notable Savior. That nothing was going to keep her from getting to that appointment. She is seen as deeply penitent for her sins. Now, I want you to think about this. She comes to this banquet uninvited. She comes to the Pharisee's house named Simon, a well-known individual in that city. And she knows that these people that have been invited are uncharitable observers of her. She knows when she gets to that meeting that she's going to be held in disdain, but she knows that she's going to get an opportunity to meet Jesus, whom she has heard a lot about. Again, Possibly he was the Messiah. Possibly he would forgive her of her sins. Possibly she'd leave that place different than she came in that day. So it was an opportunity that she judged worth all the risks, worth all the whispers, which all, uh, worth all the smug uh, comments and looks in the Simon the Pharisee's house. When we approach people with the gospel, let's be careful. Let's not look at them as if they're less than us. You see, that's within my, my bosom, a pride. And I always have to remember, where was I before I met Jesus Christ? Where would I be today if it wasn't for Jesus Christ? Where would it be if someone didn't have compassion on me, invite me to hear the gospel, uh, spend time with me, although I was a mess, I was a mess. But people loved me, and they showed me Jesus Christ. She was a notable sinner, oh, obviously. And she allowed herself to enter into a den full of people that would criticize her and look at her oddly and think of her as being unworthy. But nothing could detain her, the person described as a sinner. Second of all, we see the course that this woman adopts. Look at verse 37, and behold, look at her. Pay attention, Jesus says. A woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at, at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping. Here's a woman that had a poor reputation. She's not admired by anybody there except for the Lord. The Lord had his love upon her when she walked in the door. We see some of the penitent ways of this woman so long ago that she received God's grace and forgiveness and salvation. And I want us to take a look at it once more afresh for ourselves. I want us to understand that uh, as Christians, as a church, we need to press on in obedience to the command of Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're told to go to every creature. John 20, 21 tells us, as, as uh, my Father has sent me, so send I you. The Lord's not asking us to do anything he didn't do himself. And so often we can get so set in our ways. Go to church, teach a lesson, go to church, sing in the choir, go to church, listen to preaching, listen to teaching, work in Master Club, uh, work in the Reformers program, go on the bus route. We get in that pattern, but how often do we actually... Pray and seek sinners. 
How friendly are when they come in our midst? See, we, we, we find our place of logistics, the same pew we always sit in. And unless they come to us, we're not going to them. Oh, I remember so many years ago coming to this same church, and so many people come to us so welcoming, so friendly, so loving. Made a difference. I'm telling you, if we're not willing to befriend people here and be kind to people here and get to know them. What, what's your name? What's your last name? Where do you live? If we can't do that here, we ain't going to do it out there. We need to be reminded again, if it wasn't for Jesus' love for us, we'd be lost for all eternity. Maybe we came to Christ through a family history of Christianity. Wonderful. You better be thankful somebody won your grandpa and your grandma to the Lord or your mom and dad to the Lord. Now what are you going to do with that? Just sit? Just find your place for church? Or are we going to be compelled to go to people that need Christ? Oh, I want to get stirred up again in my own heart and life for souls. Amen. The course she adopted... We look at her conduct here, and she's broken, and she comes weeping, and she comes knowing what people think of her, and she, she places herself in that position. And you know what? She was just looking for some crumbs from the master's table. Nobody in that group, that pharisaical group, even goes to her. She goes to Christ. She shows a strong desire for Christ. In spite of the stares and the, the raised eyebrows and the snide comments, she comes to Christ and she longs to have her sins forgiven. She, she demonstrates a real humility and a lowliness of mind. Now back in that day, they didn't sit at tables and chairs like we do in our culture. Back in that day, the custom of the day was the Lord and those that sat at supper with him would be reclining while enjoying a meal. It's almost if you went into your living room, if your carpeted living room or Wood floor living room, I don't know what you have. But you just threw some pillows down and you sat around in a circle and then the servant come to serve you as you laid on the floor there. Now, I'm glad for tables and chairs, praise God, because uh, we had, listen, we had the molders over the other night for dinner and, and the, their children were playing. I got down on the floor with the little ones to play Lincoln Logs. It took everybody in a crane to get me up from that floor. So, I, you know, this isn't my way. I don't roll this way. I like tables and chairs. But back in that day, everybody reclined, and the servants would come to them. And here we see that she exhibits, she demonstrates a, a humility, a lowliness about her. And she exhibits in her life a sign of true con contrition. For as the Lord is laying there enjoying a meal, she comes up behind him, and she begins to wash or bathe his feet. Now, that's not unusual because a household servant was to do such a thing. But she wasn't their servant. She wasn't an invited guest. Now, if they didn't have a household servant, the, the homeowner themselves would do the job of a host, which means to reflect, refresh those that had come in his door before they ate a meal. He hadn't done it. He hadn't had anybody do it. She comes, and she washes and bathes his feet with her tears. The tears that were produced for her sobbing heart. 
Her soul was so heavy and so remorseful that she's beginning to pour it out before the Lord. Unashamed for what he saw her to be. Not just a sinner, but someone in need of him. I'm glad for the day that Jesus saw me in my need. Didn't reject me. Saw potential in me. I'm glad for a pastor who saw potential in me. I'm glad for a congregation that saw potential in me. I remember when pastor asked me to teach the adult Sunday school class for the first time, Laura Downing came to me and told me what a wonderful job I did. And I did a, I did a terrible job. But she told me what a good job I did. That was the spirit of the church when I needed the spirit of the church to be that way. I wonder today if God's people have the same grace and the same sweet spirit. I, I'm saying it generally, yes, but I, there are some people that seem not to be approachable and not to be friendly. God help us. This shedding of tears gives us a glimpse of the true heart of this repentance of this woman's heart and the appreciation she had for the Lord. It displays for us the true heart and affection she had for Christ, although she knew not Christ yet. Only what she had heard about him, <laughs> that he forgives sinners. She manifests her true love as she begins to wipe his feet with her hair. Hair was the glory of a woman. And she takes that glory and she expresses it toward him. And not only did she wash his feet with her tears, but she begins to kiss his feet showing acknowledgement for who he was and who she believed him to be. Now, I want to stress this. Believe this now. As this woman comes into this room with this social class, these elitists, these Pharisees, the muckety-mucks of the city who would look down at her, she wasn't sure how the Lord would approach her, but she hoped because she'd heard about how much compassion he had had on other people. She comes and it causes herself to be in that environment. Now believe me this. No woman of her station, no woman of her reputation would have taken time to kiss the feet of a Pharisee. And their kind of friends. Because she would have known their arrogance and their elitism and their hypocrisy but she comes to meet Jesus. Safe to say, she knew some of them because they had visited her in her profession. Just look at the current atmosphere of politics today, of Hollywood today, of our society today. How wicked and all these, these men in their religious garbs are no doubt judging her, wondering why she's there. She knew who they were. But she looks beyond all that even to get to Jesus. These chief leaders wearing their garments of religious garb by day, some of them might have knocked at her door by night. I want you to see the atmosphere in which she submitted herself. But she comes because she believes Jesus to be real. She believes him to be the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior of the world. 
And she manifests a liberality in her heart and a devotion in her heart toward Jesus so much that with tears she's washing his feet with her very hair and, and then she kisses his feet as he sits at, at meal. And then she brings with her this alabaster box of fragrant, costly perfume. And we know, if you've been in church any length of time, what this was all about. The alabaster box was a sealed unit. It was a vessel that was sealed and it had precious perfumes that had been bought by an individual to prepare for their own burial someday. Many of you sitting here today, you may already have arrangements for yourself when that time comes. And this was side of the way that was done in that Bible day. There'd be certain things done and bought, a tomb, a place of burial. There would be the oils, there would be the garments, all prepared. And this woman brought this alabaster box that she had spent Costs a, a, a tremendous amount of money. I, I read that as much as a year's earnings. And it's almost a vessel or a craft that couldn't be poured out a little bit at a time. It was sort of like a, a child's old-fashioned piggy bank, you know, where the coins went in and you couldn't, you couldn't get into it unless you broke the piggy bank. Well, this had to be snapped off. The, the vessel had to be broken, and there's no turning back from that. It was just poured out. She knew who Jesus was, and she loved him, and she showed affection toward him, and she poured it all out on him. She lavishly poured out all the valuable essence on the lovely Lord Jesus, and with her tears and her hair and her perfumed oil, she begins to show Jesus her faith, her love, and her allegiance to him, something none of those other men had done in that room. Oh, what a sweet smell of worship filled that room. Hey, I've been in services before where you can just, there's a sense, there's a presence that the Lord is there. And folks, worship is like that valuable essence where we give it unto the Lord and it's a sweet smelling fragrance to God. When's the last time you had that in your life or in your personal devotional life or here at the church? She lived a life worthy of her profession of faith from that day forward. And that's the next point, and we'll be moving on and be done. The public testimony she received from others. Look at verse, everybody knew what she was when she came in the room, but look at Luke chapter 7, look at verse 39. Now when the Pharisees had bidden him saw it, this lavishing, this love, this affection, this ministry toward him by her, he spake within himself, saying, this man, now look at his attitude. He doesn't get from the table, so, oh, what a blessing. Look at this woman, worship God. We need to be more like her. She said, no, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches them, for she is a sinner. <laughs> I wonder sometimes if that's not what visitors think about me, you, us. How kind are we? How charitable are we? How approachable are we? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to you. And he said, Master, say on. I think he was thinking that he was going to brag on him, tell what a wonderful host he was. What a nice meal this is. I mean, I, you have such a beautiful home, Simon. That's not what he had in mind. But Simon, he thought, oh, here it comes. Here comes my praise. <laughs> 
verse 41, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed him 500 pence and the other 50. And when he had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And can you see Simon beaming right here? I mean, he is now a master degree student acknowledged from the seminary at this point. I mean, he is just, he's big. He's, he's puffed up. Not that any of that's wrong, in case you have a master's degree from seminary. I don't. Verse 44, And he returned to the woman and said unto Simon, Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears, and wipest them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, which she loved, uh, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins be forgiven thee. I'm telling you, Simon, that was not a good day for Simon. He thought it was all going to be about him. And when the Lord got done with his comments, she was the forgiven saint. And he looked like an idiot. Which he was. Full of pride and arrogance. See, I wonder, he didn't invite Jesus in his house because he loved him. He invited Jesus in his house because it would be broadcast about that he had had the famous Jesus in his house. It was all about self, nothing about the Savior. But that woman that day, she had a testimony that stayed with her the rest of her days. Jesus says in Luke chapter 7 that her sins are forgiven. Jesus, listen, Jesus testifies of her forgiveness. Hey, I'm glad. Somebody could say, hey, I knew Steve Brown before he ever knew the Lord, and I'm telling you, I believe he's a changed man, he's a Christian. That would be wonderful. But I'm thinking, what would it be like to have Jesus tell everybody about how much you changed? I submit to you, I, I'm glad that I have a testimony for Christ now, but I want the Lord to know. And the Lord's sweet spirit remind me of where I was when he found me and what he's done, what he still wants to do in me. Because I'm just flesh. God's so good. He's so good. So Jesus testifies of her forgiveness. You talk about a fresh start. My goodness. Any new convert, they come to Christ by faith, believing, and right now, in the eyes of God, they're forgiven and they're a child of God for all eternity, and all ahead of them is nothing but blessing and growth and home in heaven. God is so good to us sinners. Jesus testifies of her faith as an instrumental cause. He said, thy faith has saved thee. Jesus testifies of the greatness of her love for him. He, she says, hey, Simon, you're sitting there so proud and pompous. You hadn't done nothing for me. But she's washed my feet with her hair. She's wiped my dirty feet with her hair. She's kissed my feet since I've walked in this room. She's anointed me with this precious ointment. But you've done nothing, nothing. Then he testifies of his approval and acceptance of her. He says this, go in peace. I submit to you, that's what she longed for when she walked in that room. And she got up from that place, that place of contrition. That place of brokenness. 
that place at his feet. I mean, I believe when she got done, you know what was around Jesus' feet? A, a puddle of tears mixed in the mud and the mire that he'd been walking through because nobody ministered to him when he came in that room. He had dirty feet and in there with tears and mud and muck and she got up and it was probably all over, but you know, she left there so full of peace. She was clean from within and I submit to you, she didn't care what any of them had to say about her the rest of her days. You know, every once in a while, the devil likes to remind me I'm not much. But I thank God that God the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 you are so important, Steve Brown, that Jesus Christ came to die for you on the cross of Calvary. Hey, you know, I told you, I started this. We forget. Listen, God loves you. God loves you so much that he came to this dirty, filthy, stinking world, submitted himself much like she did to the crowd, what did this world think of him? Not much. And he went on the cross and he died naked before the world, taking our sin upon him, our shame upon him, that you and I could be clean. I'm so clean today. I mean, I, in the eyes of God, I am so clean today. Not because of me and my self-righteousness. Not because of what I do or have done or will do because of what Christ did for me on the cross of Calvary. How can I look down on other people? How can I not be kind and considerate toward other people? How can I not have compassion upon other people? Now, sometimes after people get saved and they don't live right, and they don't, won't submit to the Word of God, I get a little upset with them. Because they could do better. But my goodness, any sinner that walks in these doors, and they realize what they are, and what they need, and Christ speaks to their heart, and they're saved. They are so clean. And we need to view them as Jesus views them, and do our best to coax them and encourage them to maturity in Christ. Amen. Now, what's our application for today? And we'll go home. What's the conclusion of this? God loves sinners. God loves sinners. God loves you. We've seen the condensation of Christ. He came to sinners. The riches of his grace. We have all the grace, so abundant grace, at, uh, the, at our disposal from the hand of God. His power and willingness to save anyone, no matter what they've ever done. The true way of coming to Christ is through humility, lowliness, and belief. The effects of that true love is complete forgiveness, peace, and pardon. We've seen the story of an individual that was a sinner, but here's the truth of it. That's my story too. And if you've been saved, that's your story. Young people, listen to me. That's your story. You may think, well, I've been raised up in church. I'm good. I've been, I'm a good kid. I'm a, no, no, no. You're a notorious sinner that Jesus died for. All of us adults, we need to realize today, the same grace that saves the most wicked person that's ever been born is the same grace that forgives us of our wicked sin. Hey, you're looking at a child of God. You're looking at a saved man. And I'm not everything I wish I could be or that I am. But I want to be more. And not so I could have people over my house and tell me what a wonderful, you know, like, the, like Simon did. I want to see Christ in me. 
the hope of glory, their hope that God can do something for them. Let's bow our heads if we would ever head bowed this morning. Friend, maybe, maybe you're here today and you're a sinner. You're not yet saved. You've not trusted Christ as your Savior. I never know who I'm preaching to when I make these sermons up. I don't. God knows. There just might be one person in here today that needs to fully and freely trust Christ. It'll be worth it all. And this morning, friend, if you're saved, let's get our burden back. Let's get our compassion back. Let's get our love toward others back. Let's be approachable. Let's be kind. Let's be loving. Let's let's not be hard and judgmental. For where would I be? Where would you be if it wasn't for God's grace in your life? Oh, Lord, remind us today of the filthy rags of our sin. You told us through the Isaiah the prophet that all our righteousness is filthy rags. And Lord, sometimes saved people act as if they're better than people that are unsaved. God forgive us. Help us, Lord, to know all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I am short of it. You are short of it. Christian. Father, help us to come again with bended knee and broken heart, contrite spirit. And I pray that if there be one here today that thinks they're going to heaven because of their goodness or their deeds, help them to know that um, they're not. But to call on Jesus for forgiveness of their sin. Lord, we cannot get to heaven by the works of the law, by the works of the flesh. But simple repentance and faith Lord, draw. Holy Spirit, do your work that we cannot do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand if we would. Brother Tom, what number you got?